0: Alright, so we're going to continue in Philippians. Uh, we got this week, and then next week we will actually wrap up uh, the book of Philippians. As I started to study this, it's a little bit difficult. You can see one of the verses that's in the passage that we're doing today is, is Philippians
1: 4.13.
0: And I can do all things through Him
1: who strengthens me.
0: And now... This verse is one of the most well-known verses in all the Bible. If you know anything much about the Bible, you've probably heard this verse. It's one of the top ten verses. Well, most quoted, most known verses in all the Bible. But then typically when something is most quoted or most known, a lot of times it's also most misunderstood. And we don't necessarily understand it in context. And we've heard it so many times in so many different ways. And, and there can be confusion about it. And I remember even growing up in the South. And I remember... The first verse I learned was John 3.16. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever should believe in Him should not perish but should have everlasting life. Right after that, after you know if you've got Jesus and you've got everlasting life, if you have Him, then I can do all things through Jesus who strengthens me. That was the second verse I learned. I knew I needed Jesus, but if I've got Jesus, then I can do all things. That was how I learned it. And I remember even my mom sharing with me, at at one point, I think I was in high school, and she's like, I I had my first car, and she's like, well, you need a bumper sticker, you know. Don't get one of those little fish, but get a bumper sticker that says, Jesus is my co-pilot.
1: She she was
0: making fun of me a little bit at the time, okay?
1: But look at this, all right?
0: What does that mean? What I understood it to mean was that you need to believe in Jesus. Of course, you need to believe in Jesus, but you also need to believe in yourself. Okay? It's about you and it's about Jesus, and you need to believe in both. And together, okay, as co pilots, we're going to navigate life, we're going to navigate this world. And as I navigate with Jesus as my co pilot, me and him, side by side then I can do all things. (laughs) I can be successful. I can do what I want to do. I can succeed.
1: I can have a good life
0: with Jesus, with Him by my side.
1: And that sounds pretty good.
0: And not all of that is wrong. But as I started to process through, as I started to go through life, what happens as we've been talking about the last several weeks, what happens as we encounter life and we have this chaos and this craziness and and, and this difficulty in life? What happens when our life turns out like this? You can't tell what that is. It's the front of a car. It's been in this wreck. It's been smashed. But
1: God is my co-pilot. And
0: you look at that and you're like, well, how did that work out for this guy? I mean, if God was his co-pilot, what happened? How did they
1: end up in a wreck? If
0: God is our co-pilot, then how? what do we say about these difficulties and these circumstances in our lives that we face? I thought we could do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I thought we could be successful. That's what I understood. And I remember my own progression of that verse, of understanding that verse. I loved that verse
1: when I was a kid.
0: When I had dreams and aspirations of playing college basketball or more. This is my favorite verse. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Okay? But then life happens and you get married and then different things happen and difficulties or whatever the experience and it doesn't quite work out how you wanted it to work out. And you're like, well, what am I supposed to do with this verse now? Like, what am I supposed to do with this verse that there was so, man, this gave me so much hope about what my life was going to look like and now my life is not exactly what I thought it was going to look like. I'm not successful. I didn't do everything that I planned. And so what does this verse? And so I just kind of, I pushed away from this verse. I, 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 it, it made me kind of cringe when people would sign things. you know, in Philippians 4.13. Philippians
1: 4.13. Because
0: I tried to believe in Jesus and believe in myself. And it wasn't working out great. So I want to ask you, do you believe in Jesus? But do you believe in yourself? Is everything going
1: Todo va as you planned? Según lo que
0: Are you satisfied
1: with your current situation? Con tu
0: with your current situation in life?
1: Con tu de la vida?
0: I want you to think about it. Think about your situation. Think about something right now that's difficult, something right now that you didn't plan, something that you're experiencing that's that's chaotic or crazy, or where did this come from? And I'm in the middle of this, and this is not what I planned. Are you satisfied with that? And if you're satisfied, there might be some of us out there right now like, hey, right now, everything is fantastic, I am satisfied with my situation. Are you still gonna be satisfied? when that situation changes. And if I'm not satisfied with my situation, well, when my situation changes, then I'll be satisfied. Then everything will be good. So I hope you're completely confused. Right, what does this verse mean then? And this is confusing and I, I don't get it. And like, wait a minute, I thought I can do all things through Christ. And we hear that verse all the time, all by itself. And I would tell you that we need desperately
1: to look at the context of this verse. We need to
0: understand it in its context as Paul was saying it, right? As we've been studying Philippians as a whole. And now looking at these verses here, what is it that he's saying? Is this useful for us? And what does it mean for us? And so I want us to read the immediate context, okay? Verse 10 through 13. That's what we're going to focus today.
1: So turn with me.
0: Philippians 4, verse 10 through
1: 13. Everybody with me? All
0: right. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low And I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. So let's look at Paul's situation. Verse 10 reminds us of his situation. He's saying, I rejoice in the Lord greatly, like you have shown your concern for me. Okay, You had this concern for me, but you're actually responding based on your concern for me. He's talking to the church in Philippi, this church that he had planted. And now it's like 10 to 11 years later, he's in prison. He's in prison in Rome. He has a potential death sentence. He's facing execution. He's been there for probably two years. And he's in need of help. Big time. He, he, he can't supply his own needs. He needs them to help him. They have this concern for him. They're actually meeting and sending
1: to help support him. His
0: material needs. His physical needs. His career as a church planner, it's probably over. Okay? Everything that he had done, what he'd been working for, at this point, it stopped. At this point, it's not moving forward. His life is probably going to be through. He's probably going to be executed. That's his thought. That's his perspective.
1: As he's in this
0: situation, in the context of this verse. And that's where he says,
1: I can do all things
0: through Christ. In the middle of this extreme situation of dependency where he can't take care of himself he can't do for himself he has this statement which again, it sounds out of touch right? Paul has made these statements over and over in Philippians where it seems like he's delusional, he doesn't get what's happening, he doesn't see what's happening around him and here he is completely dependent, completely in need unable to care for himself and he makes this statement I can do all things through him who strengthens me What is he talking about? And how can he have that perspective?
1: But I think we'll see his perspective
0: in verse 11 and 12. We'll see that that's directly connected to this statement that he makes in
1: 4.13.
0: He gives us that understanding and it's actually in verse 11 and 12 as we walk through that, he'll say, this is the secret. This is the secret to understanding and applying verse 13 that we've heard over and over and over again. We've got to look and we've got to focus on verse 11 and 12. And when we consider it in its entirety, when we consider those few verses together, I think this is a way to state what Paul is saying. We are satisfied in Christ And we are strengthened by Christ
1: to press on through the
0: instability of life. Right? We've been talking for the last several weeks about pressing on, about moving. We're oriented according to Jesus and then we move towards Jesus. And as we do that, right? We experience life. And life is unstable, but Through the gospel, we're supposed to be stable. We have the stability in Christ. And He's saying that you can be completely satisfied and you can be completely strengthened to continue in this process, moving towards Jesus. You have the power to do that.
1: We're
0: confident that we have all that we need to face whatever situation in life that we experience. That's what he's saying. Doesn't matter the situation.
1: Doesn't matter what's going on. He's saying, here he is
0: without anything, Without well, he can't supply his own needs and he says, but I'm confident. I'm confident that I can be completely satisfied in Jesus Christ. And I have all the strength I need to continue in this process. To continue to move towards Jesus. So let me look first at the satisfaction piece. We're satisfied in Christ. Let me read verse 11 and the first part of verse 12 again. He says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, I know how to abound. As we have looked through Philippians, as we understood the context of this... This book, we've understood, Paul has been through ups and downs. His situation has changed. It's been chaotic. It's been crazy. But he says here, my perspective, whatever situation, is that I'm to be content.
1: Su perspectiva de su vida es contentarse. Es la palabra que se usa. En otras traducciones en español dice estar satisfecho o bastardo.
0: So I have to give Melanie extra time to explain the word content. Because the word content, or this idea of being content, you can't give a simple definition. And when I say content, you may be thinking this, and someone else is thinking this. Like, well, we, we need to get on the same page as to what this means
1: to be content. Okay? It
0: requires conversation. It requires interaction. It requires a discussion. For us to understand what this means to be content. So let me, let me start by telling you what content is not. What Paul does not mean when he says, I've learned to be content in every situation. Content is not denying the situation. Paul doesn't write the Philippians and decides to ignore the fact that he's in prison, that he's bound in changed, that he's writing them, that he is in need. He informs them of the situation. This is the reality of his situation. And he tells them that. He doesn't deny it. He doesn't ignore it. He doesn't say, it's great. He doesn't say, I'm... I'm. He explains the reality. But in the middle of that reality, in the middle of being in prison, he communicates... God has purpose in my situation. If you remember in Philippians one, he talked about that. He talked about these different guards and how they were coming to Christ and how God was moving even in the midst of this situation. So he didn't deny the reality of it, but he says I can see it through what God is doing. And we, as we talked a couple weeks ago, right? We have to realize like even in the most darkest. In the darkest situation. Do we believe that we have this good, good father? Do we believe that we have this peace with God that surpasses understanding and we can trust him that he's working it out for good? Do we believe that? This is what Paul is saying. I can see that. I'm not denying the situation. Second, what content is not it's not liking the situation Paul was not in prison in jail and saying wow I love being in jail it is so much fun being in jail my life is falling apart the situation is terrible I'm bound and changed and it is good
1: Right? it's
0: not that we have difficulty in life in all these situations and we walk around with this dumb smile on our face no, no, I'm so happy I just love all the difficulties that I'm going through my life sucks but it's good like, Paul doesn't say that he doesn't say I love being in prison he doesn't say I love being chained I love being in need but in the middle of that situation, Pero, he has communicated to us lo that lo he lo has lo joy.
1: Que tiene gozo.
0: But his joy is not in the Pero situation. No his, joy situation his joy es
1: is en where? Su gozo his joy es is in the Lord.
0: So it's not like in the situation. No and I will tell you, you don't have to try and enjoy Every situation in your life.
1: Okay? Just let that
0: go. Okay? Don't feel guilty if you're in a situation and you're not enjoying it. Okay? Life has situations that are not enjoyable. Okay? And God is not asking us to enjoy them, He's not asking us to like them. So that's what contentment is not. It's not denying,
1: it's not liking. No significa disfrutar. And the
0: last thing, it's not accepting último, the situation.
1: No la
0: and what I mean by that is no it's not being in the situation no es estar and being la
1: hopeless. <coughs>
0: My situation. Ay,
1: esta
0: it's hopeless.
1: No hay
0: I'm helpless.
1: No tengo... I, I just can't no
0: move no anymore. No I'm, anymore. No I'm not going to no do anything no anymore. No it's, do anything no anymore. No it's just no overwhelming. No I just can't no even respond. Can't no respond. No okay? Paul doesn't say that either. And actually Paul even says when we looked in chapter 3, he says, like, I'm not
1: perfect. But what does he
0: do? He says, I press on, right? The situation, even my own situation with myself is not right, but I press on. And he doesn't say, I'm in prison. This is terrible. It's over. I'm just going to lay here in chains and die. He continues to press on in the midst of the situation. He doesn't settle. So let me give you a practical example. I can use Trent.
1: <laughs>
0: and you guys know that Trent.
1: <laughs>
0: he's in the prime of his life.
1: Uh, in the,
0: yeah, the best year of his life.
1: He's 40 years old.
0: And I can say that because I'm 40 years old, right? It's a, it's a, I mean, this is a perfect age to be. But Trent, as you guys know, he hurt his back, even though he's in the prime of his life. He has a herniation of his lower back. One of the, the discs in his spine, it hasn't just pushed out, it's actually ruptured. Okay? It's a serious deal. It's limiting his function.
1: It's painful.
0: He might have to have surgery. He's here with us today because he has a herniated disc. If he wasn't, he'd be with his family. He couldn't get on an airplane to go be with his family because of his back.
1: Okay? It's not
0: a good situation. He he can't drive very far in the car. You'll see if he comes to your house, he's up down, up down, up down. He lays on your sofa like it's so rude. Like we're having a conversation and he just lays down. Alright. That situation.
1: What if Trent just denied it?
0: He's walking around like this and he, Are you okay? I'm fine. Everything's good. Nothing's wrong with me. Nothing's wrong with me. He lays on the floor. He gets back up. No, I'm nothing. Everything's good. Right? That doesn't make sense. Like he has a herniated disc. Why? How? Why would he deny it? Why would he say that he doesn't have that problem? Maybe instead of denying, he should like it. This hurts so bad. I've got pain all the way down to my foot. I can't feel my foot. I can't raise up my left leg. But man, I I like being dysfunctional. I like not having full use of my leg. I like it that I can't drive for more than 10 or 15 minutes.
1: It's great being
0: hurt. That doesn't make sense, right? Okay, it doesn't make sense to deny it. It doesn't make sense to like it. Or he could just lay there and accept it.
1: I've got a herniated disc. Uh, My
0: life is over. I was in my prime. It's all done. It's downhill from here. I'm just going to lay on the sofa. I'm just going to sulk. I'm not going to do anything about the situation. I'm just going to sit here and feel hopeless and helpless.
1: I hope that other people just really take care of me.
0: That doesn't make sense either. Eso tiene right? Sentido, he, would, he would go to the doctor. He would go to therapy. He would figure out how can el, he manage and how can he get better and what does it, it need to do, do, do and does he ultimately need surgery? Like, okay, I'm not going to remain in this situation and just stay the same and just accept it. So think about your situation. Think about what you're going through right now. What do you tend to do? Think about an actual situation, okay? Don't let that just go by. Think about a situation. Right now, something's hard, something's difficult, something you didn't plan. Do you just deny it? Act like it doesn't exist? Do you just try and like it? or do you just feel hopeless? It is what it is. can't do anything about it. It's just going to get worse and worse. What do you tend to do?
1: And thinking now what we tend to do,
0: what is it that Paul is telling us that we should do
1: in this situation? And like
0: he said before repeatedly, don't focus on the situation,
1: but he says focus on Christ.
0: Because our contentment
1: is not found in the
0: situation. Our contentment is found in Jesus. Because you see, content,
1: the best way to explain that is to be
0: satisfied. If you look where Paul uses this word in other places when he writes letters, it's actually translated... As having all that you need. Same word here, contentment. In other places where Paul uses it, it's
1: says it's it's having all that you need.
0: Does that make sense? If you have all that you need, what are you? I'm satisfied. I have all that I need. I'm satisfied. And so what Paul was saying is, he's saying, in life, We tend to think there's this standard, this line. This is where life should be. Whether it's financially, whether it's with relationships, whether it's with your family, whatever the case may be, we think life should be right here. And Paul says, I can be brought low. I can dip down. Life can be less than it should be, or than I expect it to be. And then he says, but also I can abound. Life can be better than I deserve. It can be better than I expect. And no matter how life goes, whether I'm here in prosperity, whether I'm here in poverty, he says, I have all that I need. And I'm like, well, how can you be in poverty? How can you be below the line and yet you have all you need? And he says, it doesn't matter about the situation because I have all I need. should have done this with a different color. Alright, you guys get it though? Because I have Christ. I'm satisfied. Because my satisfaction is not based on where life is at the moment. My satisfaction is based on Christ, I'm satisfied either way. My contentment's based on something bigger than, outside of, and over the situation.
1: It's based on Jesus.
0: Another question.
1: Otra para Honesty hacer. in church.
0: Honestamente, okay, everybody has to be honest. And everybody has to answer this question. What impacts your satisfaction more?
1: Your situation or your relationship with Jesus? I want you to
0: think about it in your own life. Am I? What? How did? When my satisfaction changes, is it based on the situation? Or is it based on Jesus? What changes your satisfaction more? Are you truly satisfied in Jesus? That all that you have,
1: all that you need, you have in Him?
0: Or does your satisfaction fluctuate with the instability of life? With what's happening or not happening? Whether I'm above or below where I expect to be. So, I've got answers on the board. Okay?
1: Para que una.
0: You might have been thinking about that generally. I want you to think about it specifically. Think about your situations. Una think specific. about your satisfaction. And, and your can, satisfaction can you say, in Jesus, you. Okay. my satisfaction in, in Jesus. Jesus, I find my satisfaction in Jesus
1: no Never?
0: I find my satisfaction in Jesus rarely, sometimes, in certain situations. I find my satisfaction in Jesus sometimes, sometimes not, or consistently, most of the time. Or I always, always find my satisfaction in Jesus. I'm not going to make you tell, but choose a letter.
1: All right. everybody chosen?
0: do what the pastor says choose yeah, an answer
1: yeah, okay.
0: ok you got an answer hold on to that answer ok we'll Ahora, come back to that answer but I would I would expect that most of us are in B, C, and D right we, we move Right? If, we, if we did a graph and showed all of us we'd probably almost all be right there in B, C, and D I mean you've got to be to say always I mean I want to meet you all right?
1: and to say never,
0: never, never? I, never I know Jesus and I have a relationship with him and I never
1: have satisfaction in him Okay, so we're probably in the middle and you
0: might say Britt I understand that I understand what you're saying but you're acting like Because I understand or believe what you say. There should be this switch that I can flip and now all of a sudden I'm satisfied. Now all of a sudden I have satisfaction in Jesus. I know this. I understand this truth. Let me flip the switch and I'll be satisfied. And now some of us men, that might make more sense to us. The ladies, when when my wife and I, and, and gentlemen, you're probably mostly in this situation, We'll have an argument.
1: And when I actually finally admit that it's my fault okay,
0: and ask for forgiveness, and, and, and I want to be reconciled, right? I want us to be made right. And I, and I went through all the steps, and we agree on this information. I was wrong. I shouldn't have done this to you. I'm sorry. I, I, I'm going to make every effort not to do that again. I want to be aware and care for you.
1: And then what do I do next? I say, "Come, can, can I have, a, can I have,
0: can I have a hug, please? Can I have a hug? Please, no, please." says, "Huh? No, I forgive you. No, we're reconciled, but it's going to take me a little bit of time before I want to embrace you. Okay, we're good. I promise you're good. Just be patient with me. Give me grace, and then I'll." I'll embrace you, right? But I'm like, but but I told you I was sorry. but, But you understand it? You believe it? We're on the same page? Hug me. It takes time.
1: Right? It's a process. And satisfaction, being satisfied in Christ,
0: is the same way. It's a process. Paul actually says it's something that we have to learn.
1: We need time to get there. You don't
0: come to know Jesus Christ and now I'm completely satisfied in Him. Okay? It doesn't happen that way. It's a process
1: and it's a learning process process.
0: Paul says he had to learn it and I think in this passage actually he's still learning that he's saying I'm not satisfied in my situation I am learning to be satisfied in Jesus
1: that's what it looks like to move towards
0: the gospel to move towards Jesus Christ I'm learning more and more and more to be satisfied in him and when he says learning the secret, it, it literally means that he is intimate with these situations. That he is actually come in contact and he is intimate and acquainted with and, and he, he, he's directly experienced and deeply in these crazy, difficult situations of life. And in those things, experiencing that and the difficulty of life, that's where I've learned to be content.
1: And Jesus... It's learned through life. You can believe
0: it, you can understand it in your head, but you're going to learn satisfaction as you walk through life. You're going to learn satisfaction in me. Life is like a lab,
1: okay, a hands-on lab. We learn,
0: we go to His Word, we understand it, and then we grow in that satisfaction. And so I'm going to ask Linnea to come up. Sergio, will you give her the handheld mic, please? as I, I thought about uh, an example of this or an illustration um, Linnea kept coming to me and I, just, I felt the need for her to be able to share and I wanted to give her the opportunity to share about how she's learned satisfaction in Christ how she's learned to be satisfied more and more in Christ and not in her situation
2: I, I had to think about what I was going to share and um, there was a specific time when I learned this secret of contentment for the first time. And um, that's what I'm going to share.
1: <laughs> um,
2: so I have all the feelings that we all have through life. Um, this life weighs me down. It's hard. I feel... Uh, lonely, uh, disappointed a lot, uh, sometimes unappreciated,
1: um, afraid, worried, um,
2: depressed. And um, then Paul says something like that, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstance.
1: And I didn't understand that. At all. Um,
2: but God began a good work in me and started to teach me about this secret that Paul talks about. So I became a believer in 2003
1: and shortly after I was married I was baptized
2: and um, I started going to church and Bible studies and I even audited a couple of classes at Bible college and I learned a lot I read the word and I learned a whole bunch of knowledge book knowledge and then after about five years it was kind of like God said okay now I need you to understand and really gain wisdom from what you've read about and um, at the time I was praying um, that God would reveal himself to my husband I was a pretty new believer and I was really excited and I wanted something big I wanted a miracle I wanted God to just reveal himself and I know now that um, that's a little I was naive at the time when I prayed that because that's a very scary prayer Um I had actually prayed. I am willing to do whatever it takes. And
1: um, God, God answered that prayer. Um,
2: my husband wanted us to permanently move back to Spain, and that was going to be hard for me um, to move away from my family. And I, I had two. We had two kids at the time, two little ones. But this was. This was the faith that I was learning to trust God and that God had a plan for this and that I needed to submit to my husband's leading, and so we moved. And I knew that I was pregnant with my third child the moment we stepped on that airplane. Um, Imagine... 18 hours with two flights and a one-year-old and a three-year-old and morning sickness. And I had that thought in my head that I'm supposed to be content whatever the circumstances. I cried out to God the whole way over to Spain. And then um, my pregnancy felt long. Um, Francisco was out trying to find work. And I was alone a lot with my two little ones. And it was sweltering heat that summer in Spain. The southern part of Spain in July and August is really hot.
1: But I had in my
2: mind, I'm going to try to be content in whatever these circumstances are. So I prayed a lot. I knew I needed him. I read the word.
1: Um, I didn't have a
2: church or even really knew where a church was. But I I even took communion by myself. (laughs) I was desperate to find contentment. Francisco couldn't find enough work the economy was getting worse and we didn't have enough money to live on we would save our coins to buy bread by the end of the week and I tried to learn to cook um, with simple things like garbanzo beans and rice And I tried to learn to live without air conditioning in the 100 degree weather and I was pregnant, I'm reminding you <laughs> I tried to learn to live without a clothes dryer. I had to climb two flights of stairs. I had a basket of wet clothes on one hip and my one-year-old on the other hip and my three-year-old climbing up the stairs in front of me so I could catch her with my knees if she felt backwards. And I would go up onto the roof every day to hang my clothes. And all of this was really hard for me. I'm A white girl from middle-class America who has always had all the food I ever wanted, all the amenities, air conditioning, dryer, clothes cleaner, dishwasher. I had never really been pushed like this to realize how much luxury I actually had.
1: At the same time,
2: um, Francisco, my husband, his sister was sick with cancer, and she was going through chemotherapy and was very sick and weak. And Francisco was struggling. He was, he was sad. He was depressed, um, and he still was having a hard time finding work he finally found a job working nights so he wasn't home or when he was he would be asleep all the time so I was very lonely and I'm thinking content whatever the circumstances
1: this is hard
2: I'm trying I'm trying as hard as I can to be happy to make this work and this is so hard God was teaching me things like my grace is sufficient for you my power is made perfect in your weakness I prayed more I tried um, I had this devotional book by Johnny Erickson Tata if any of you know her she's uh, a wonderful woman she was teaching about God's plan in difficult circumstances about suffering so finally I go into labor and I was terrified. I was so afraid. Um, I was really afraid about giving birth in another country. Would they know what they were doing? <laughs> Not like any other woman there had never given birth before, but <laughs> just was, were they going to have the same kind of care that I was used to?
1: And I repeated the verse, um, Isaiah forty-one ten over and over again. Fear not,
2: for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand.
1: After hours of
2: labor, our son was born.
1: And I was relieved.
2: But one look at his hands. And I cried out to Francisco, There's something wrong with his hands the midwives took a look at him and suddenly a team of people swarmed our room his head was deformed his, his feet, his hands and he wasn't breathing
1: so they took him away
2: Francisco and I spent the night in a room By ourselves. I remember what color the room was. It was like this awful pea green color. (laughs) Staring at the walls, just weeping. We both, we both just silently cried. We didn't even speak. Why, Lord?
1: Contentment. Where are you?
2: There was a horrible thunder and rainstorm that night,
1: and to me, God
2: was in the storm. The doctors told us that they would have to run tests. They didn't know what our son had. They asked us if we wanted to sign a DNR. Do not resuscitate. He may have brain damage. They weren't sure about his organs. He was having trouble breathing and eating. If he stopped breathing, should they revive him or should they just let him go? Francisco answered quickly, yes, revive him. But honestly, in my heart, I wasn't sure.
1: Maybe it would be better. What kind of a
2: life would he have? What kind of a life would we have? Would we ever find contentment now? Kiko was born on October 8th. This is the devotional book that I had with me. That I would read to encourage me. Through those those nine months that I was pregnant. On October 8th, on that day. I had this book in the hospital with me. I opened to October 8th.
1: And the verse
2: at the very top of the page is from 2 Kings
1: 2 Kings 18.32
2: It says choose life not death. And she wrote about this boy named Nathan who was severely brain damaged but his parents Muy, muy Took care serious. of him and gave him such Pero dignity, father, cuidado, and they believed that God had a plan and a purpose for their son's disability. I've never heard God's voice no, out loud,
1: he lo but God spoke to me so loudly suerte, como ese Dios.
2: on those pages, and
1: en esas
2: I knew that this was Dios my miracle.
1: Que este era mi
2: He was answering my prayer. All that he had been teaching me, all the things, came flooding back to me. Fear not, I am with you. Do not be dismayed, I am your God. I will strengthen you, I will help you, I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. I had prayed for this. I had prayed, Lord, whatever it takes, reveal yourself to us. This was God working.
1: He was answering my prayers. And his ways are not our ways.
2: We try to avoid the difficult circumstances, but he uses them to reveal himself to us. I can't explain it to you, and I can't give it to you. But I was overflowing with with peace and joy. I knew that it was going to be okay. Whether he lived, whether he died, God was doing something here through our son. And he is a good, good father, and he is trustworthy. And I knew in that moment that he was enough. And I was content
1: for the first time. I understood. I was at peace, and I even had a sense of joy in my heart.
2: We cried, we cried. I was afraid for my son. I felt fear, but I was content. I knew it was okay. Susie, Francisco's sister, died exactly one month after Kiko was born.
1: In the same hospital
2: and we mourned again but I knew God had planned for that too Francisco was the most broken I had ever seen him
1: did I really pray for this
2: oh Lord I was praying do your work here Lord Francisco and I shared some very intense and emotional moments and it was the closest we had been up to this point in our marriage during this tremendous trial. Sorry. Oh, And as we've already learned, Paul says, not that I have already obtained all of this or have already been made perfect, but I press on. Kiko still gets sick, and we go back to the hospital, and there are still many surgeries. And I get anxious, I feel anxious. And God has to reteach this contentment to me. He has to remind me of everything I've learned.
1: Fear not, I'm with you,
2: he says. Sometimes Francisco and I struggle with loving each other well. Sometimes I feel lonely or unhappy or depressed. And God reteaches me this again. I'm teaching you to depend on me. I'm teaching you to love unconditionally, he says. I start to struggle with the monotony of my, my daily work, the same thing every day, not being truly appreciated for all the things I do, wanting to escape sometimes. And God has to reteach me this contentment again. I'm teaching you humility, servanthood. I gave you an example to follow. Sometimes I feel angry and frustrated about other people's sins against me. I'm treated unfairly or I'm offended. And he teaches me this is contentment again. If you suffer for doing good and endure, this is a gracious thing before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you. All of these things, he's doing a good work in me. I still will continue to feel these things. I will feel anxious. I will feel scared. I feel lonely, angry, frustrated, unhappy. And the temptation is to let this turn into bitterness or discontent, envying, coveting somebody else's ways or life but God is doing a good work in me. He's answering my prayer. I have prayed for him to remove my sin from me. I've prayed for him to change me, to be more like Christ, to work in the hearts of my my family. And it's through all of these hard times that he's doing that. And he is my constant companion.
1: He will never forsake me. He will never leave me. And He
2: always provides everything I need so I can be content in every circumstance because He is good. If we lift our eyes off of the circumstances
1: and look to Him,
2: we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him. He's working this out for our salvation, for our sanctification. And, it, and we need to encourage each other to to press on, to keep relearning this, because contentment really is found in him alone. Uh,
0: I can't follow that.
1: <laughs> um,
0: as I think through different points that I wanted to make that I have here in my notes. Um, Linnea hit them. Um, she talked about that, about how we want to avoid situations where we don't feel we're able, or we don't feel that we have everything we need. But yet if we
1: are pressing on moving towards the gospel,
0: that's where we end up going. Not where we feel sufficient And ourselves, or we have to depend completely on
1: the sufficiency of Christ.
0: So, I want to, in light of what Linnea shared, um, Karina, can you go back to the answers? You had your answer, right? I don't want you to think that I have the right answer. The question is, am I learning? Am I learning to be more and more content as I go through the situations of life? Am I finding my satisfaction more and more in Christ
1: and less and less and less in my situation?
0: That's what Linnea just shared. That's what Paul is explaining to us.
1: That that's the process we're in.
0: And as Linnea just shared, what, what did she share that she did through all that time? She, she was praying, she was in the Word, and she needed others with her together. And, and that's what we've talked about the last few weeks, right? Of, of That we should be with prayer and supplication bringing these things, bringing these situations to God, that we should be reflecting on His Word as we understand the situation. It has to be seen through the context of His Word and that we need to help each other. We, I've explained and walked through those exact three things and that's what it looks like to learn this contentment, to be doing those things as we move towards the Gospel. And He will strengthen us. He will give us all strength. Whatever we face, whatever situation, that we can do all things through Him who strengthens us. We can't trust in our own
1: strength. We have to trust in His.
0: So in Christ, we are confident that we have all that we need to face whatever situation in life we experience. Or if you look at the the big idea again, the very last slide, Karina we are satisfied in Christ
1: en Cristo, and we are strengthened
0: by Christ
1: y por Cristo,
0: to press on
1: para adelante,
0: through the instability a of life.
1: De la de la vida.
0: Don't go straight to verse 13.
1: No vayan al Camp
0: out 3. in 11 and
1: 12. Un en los when, we, when we focus
0: on 11 and 12, 12, 12 when we understand 11 and 12, 12, 12, 12 when we're 12, learning 12, that satisfaction in Christ, when we're and learning and that commitment, then we can say, I can do and all things through Christ who strengthens me
1: contentment
0: has nothing to do with our circumstances contentment has nothing to do with your resources it has nothing to do with your
1: strength
0: it's not about you it's not about me it's about Jesus It has everything to do with him. That's where our satisfaction is found. That's where our satisfaction comes from.
1: It's in him and in him alone.
0: He's he's not our co-pilot. He is the
1: pilot. We are passengers and we are with him.
0: It's not navigating together. We are following him. And I will tell you that if you are not with Him, if you're not oriented according to the Gospel, you're on your own. You're on your own. You're on your own own strength. You're on your own wisdom as you walk through this. You're on your own. And your life, as Paul has told us, the end is destruction. But if you're with Him, if you're oriented according to Christ, if by faith through grace you've embraced Him and you're following Him and you're trusting Him and you're pressing towards Him, Paul tells us, you can be confident. You can be confident that you have unlimited resources in Christ. You can be confident that you have complete strength
1: in Him. You can be confident
0: that the end of your life is life.
1: That you can be completely
0: satisfied with Him. So let's press on together. Let's learn to be content Aprendamos together. We need each other in this process.
1: Nos los unos a los otros en este
0: and so that we could claim, that we could proclaim together,
1: that we can do all things que todo lo podemos,
0: through Jesus who strengthens us. Whatever the situation, whatever we go through, whatever you go que through,
1: la por la que pasamos,
0: we have the strength to
1: continue.